Ready, Dave? Hey, everybody. This is Don't Let's Start, a podcast about they might be giants. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Dave. I've got Dave, my friend. Uh, I haven't seen... Well, I saw Dave a week ago, but before that week, I hadn't seen him in a few months. It's been a little while. I mean, I didn't see anyone, so... Dave, you look you look younger. Thank you. You look... I feed off people's misery. <laughs> you look better than you've ever looked. This is a podcast about They Might Be Giants, the band you love to hate and <laughs> hate to love. Well, first of all, I want to catch up because it's been sure. a while, and I think, uh, I think our... Our listeners, I don't like to say the word fans because that's, mm-hmm. that's a little absurd. Our listeners uh, who tolerate us. Fair enough. Uh, they might be wondering what's they been... might be. What's been... <laughs> Probably <laughs> they not. They might be fun. Uh, they might be interesting. It's hard to not say they might be when you're discussing a group of people who uh, yeah. perhaps are doing something <laughs> or are being something. We'll get it back. It's okay. Yeah, it's they, been a while. They might, they might be Stick one, with us, wondering uh, what we've been up to, how we're doing. Uh, we're certainly wondering how each and every one of them are doing. Keeping me up at night. But enough about me. How are you doing, Jordan? Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. What's been going on in, in terms of, should we only keep this in They Might Be Giants? Uh, <laughs> I think so, yes. In terms of the giants, I just I, got I, an email from. Uh, I'm going to cut you off. Yep, please. I just got an email about the new fan club. Yeah, for, I wanted to talk year. about some current news. You say you've got some very excellent news. Yeah, I saw that IFC email, and I actually, Dave, uh, were I, you tempted? I put my money where my mouth is. Whoa. Which is not safe in this uh, current environment. <laughs> no, to do. I haven't used money in three months. <laughs> yeah, but I uh, I bought it. I became an instant nice. fan club member. Uh, friends, we're we don't we don't really uh, we don't really get political here. But <laughs> they might be giants. This is the way that they are probably going to be really survive in this time. They, yeah, when they I read that, I was like, maybe I do have a higher obligation to. I was yeah. probably going to do it anyway, but. Yeah, so ignore all your other favorite uh, charities. And, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am sincere in that um, they had to cancel, like everyone, they had yeah. to cancel shows, sure. they had to cancel a lot of plans they had. Um, and just as they were really, I, I would say, at the peak of their I mean, career, they kind of always feel like they're at the <laughs> peak of, of doing a ton of stuff all the time. But it really was feeling there was a lot of momentum of all the stuff they were doing. We were yep. getting new songs. We were getting show and out theme shows and all this stuff. And then we all got kicked in the dick. <laughs> if only that's all that happened to everybody. <laughs> um, so yeah, I gave I gave them the money. I gave them my. I became an IFC person it's again. I've done not, it before. You're not. I mean, you're just paying for services rendered. Really, you're not like giving them money that you're not getting anything out of it. I'm sure oh, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. well past what like all the, those the other value. shitty charities out there. <laughs> yeah, man. Get nothing from you them actually except get, feeling good? Yeah, yeah. What's that worth? Yeah, it's I'm excited. So, let's talk about this. They're uh when we don't, you know, because our our show is such a historical retrospective I you on say because our show is such a hit. <laughs> it's a hit. And I agree. It's such a historical retrospective that we we tend to not discuss current news too much, but I think we should try to do that more. Well, you know what they say, we're in history right now. 
Yeah, I think about that a lot, how we're in history. Do you mean in general or in these crazy times? Sort of all the time, but then when something- yeah, Everything is history like a second after it happens. So don't let it drive you too crazy. So when I peed before the show? It's history, baby. It's history. Uh, Go on. What was I saying? Oh yeah, so apparently their new album that they're going to be working on- I think that was it, the headline, yeah. It's called Book. Uh, Interesting. Dave, we always have strong opinions on when they have a new album title. And and what I've noticed, with, at least with me and you, is that we have a strong opinion and then it kind of gets, we get used to the name and then sure. we kind of don't care anymore. I, right. I, I recall us not liking Join Us as a title. I remember a conversation we had years pre-podcast, mm -hmm. unrecorded conversation. I remember thinking Join Us was, I think we thought it was too like, on the nose creepy, like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a creepy horror movie or something. Hmm. Uh, now I don't care. Um, I don't think we liked, I don't know if we liked The Else as a title. I remember liking it. You remember, okay. I liked it. It's mysterious. Yeah. Um, Seems to fit. I remember, I remember hating Glean as a title. Yes, and I, I did too. I still struggle with it, to be honest. It's just a weird word. Yeah. It makes yeah. me feel gross. <laughs> it's a tough word. Um, but book, uh, I don't know yet when I think of this, I kind of had a non-reaction to it. I kind of read, maybe it's cause I'm, we're all busy with a lot of other things in our lives. Yeah, I'm a little numb to any news right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like one tab is just like horrible things happening. Another tab is yeah. like TMBG new album called book. I was like, huh. It's like, yeah, it's hard to get excited for good news. Um, I do like books. Uh, Dave, have you read any good books lately? No, I haven't read any books. <laughs> <laughs> reading, you know what? Reading's not for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nothing against it's it. It's not like you forget how, you know, you don't have to keep doing it every day. That's true. Yeah. You know? I get the point. A, B, C, whatever. <laughs> I, I think it's an okay title. Um, book. You know, the more you say it, <laughs> I actually don't like it. Well, it's open-ended. Is that a book pun? <laughs> we shouldn't judge it by its cover. Right. I'm assuming it's just because nobody reads books anymore. It yeah, seems I, like a little bit of a criticism of our wow. fast pace, go get them. You're, <laughs> you're reading a lot into a one, into a noun that is neither here nor there. Um, yeah. Could also mean there's the verb book, like bookem Dano. Yeah. <laughs> well, then they should have called it bookem. They could have called bookem. Which yeah. is a terrible name. <laughs> they have a song called Read a Book, yeah. which I, I quite like. Uh, I like it too. And I wonder if that connects. I mean, maybe when there's more songs that we could uh, listen to on this uh, new album, there'll be some theme. Because I think, you know, Join Us, you know, some of their albums, like, they reveal, like, I kind of get why they called it this. You know, like we've talked about Flood. Sure. There's a lot of water theme on that, you know, record. Join Us seemed to like maybe a Lincoln. coming back to old aesthetics. I mean, when I heard Book, I just thought it was a reaction to how... You know, everything is uh, digital now, so. Interesting. That is, but I, I mean, be completely I wrong, complain you know? about this stuff all the time. Because Flansburg seems to be well-read, so. He does. I know Linnell is. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I get the feeling Flansburg is the one who names all the albums. <laughs> right. <laughs> but maybe because he's just so vocal uh, all the time about everything going on. With I am them. a fan of a good one-name album title. Yeah. So there's that. Poop. To its credit. <laughs> Dookie, <laughs> I guess that's literally. It's been done. Yeah. So 
what else has been going on non TMG really quick? I guess uh, I don't know, Dave. Uh, you've just been doing your <laughs> doing your doing what you do. Yeah, I've been you know drawing and writing a lot. Dave's a great artist. This, we might have new listeners here. I know people listen out of order. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, actually, I I started an instrumental album because I've been having uh, throat problems, so I can't really sing. But I'm starting an instrumental album, and Dave's gonna do some bass on it. And our old uh, drummer from our old band years ago is uh, sending me drums over email i have to say one thing about this quarantine that that brought stuff to light was like oh i can like email my drummer and have him yeah. send me stuff uh also have some pretty crazy news for people out there brian doherty from they might be giants did yeah. some, did some drums for me for an album i i started in quarantine also mm-hmm. and that's kind of insane i would be i would love to play some clips from that maybe when they're more uh finished but he said he'd do it, and he did it. He said, you heard, I think it word. was in the interview, unless I cut it out, but uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think towards the end, he said he wanted to play drums for both of us. Yeah, and so he did. Well, soon after I found a drummer, so I didn't I didn't need him. Yeah, um, well, like he said, don't think you're not replaceable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the drums he sent me were great, and there was he awesome. sent me a few takes that were all different and great and exciting, and one of them is really this amazing rock song that uh, I didn't even write it, so I could say that, but I, my girlfriend wrote it. The drums are just so high energy and exciting. And you know what? Uh, maybe I will play a clip because it's Brian Darty doing drums and it's awesome. So here's a brief clip of that. This song is called Anti Love, featuring Brian Darty. I'm supposed to move on. So what's this episode about, Jordan? Yes, this is not the Apollo 18. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm waiting for. 18-parter that I assume is going to happen uh, because that's that's quite a, a big to-do. But I wanted to explore some more, uh, you know, regions and corners and uh, alleyways in They Might Be Giants history. And what this episode is about is we're going to look at what their 80s live shows were like. Uh, we've obviously touched on this quite a bit as I use many, many clips from the 80s and stuff, but I wanted to focus on some traditions they had at mm-hmm. concerts that are almost really like songs to discuss. Now, did you think of this on the heels of our Gary Ray interview? Was it taking you back to a time and place? I'm so glad you said that because something... Yeah, I can tee you up. <laughs> there was a thing that that I discovered while, while listening to live shows, which I, I would have loved to put Uh, this clip in our Gary Ray interview. But let's listen to the clip now, actually. This is not from the 80s, but this is from a 90s show at the Mercury Lounge. And if you remember, Gary, we asked him what his favorite They Might Be Giants song was. Yes. And whenever I ask a guest that, I'm always worried they're not going to know what to say. But he had an amazing answer. It was uh, Don't Let's Start, right? Yes. And this clip of They Might Be Giants talking about Gary Ray and playing Don't Let's Start uh, not only confirms that, but it adds even more 
like niceness and joy. like joy to the whole thing. So check this out. Play that sucker for me. So here's the song we'd like to dedicate to our friend Gary Ray. This is the song we used to do across the street at a club called Dorinka in the mid '80s, which is essentially where we started. Let's give Gary Ray a big uh, Houston Street round of applause. He's also showing us some 3D photographs that he had taken at the time when we were shockingly young and not, not nearly as embittered and angry as we are now. So here's a song we'd like to sing. embittered and angry at the time. We were pretty pissed off then, but it's really drag now. So, uh, so here we go. Their sense of humor is identical to ours sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> They're just talking about how embittered and angry they are. Wow, that would have been a great clip for the Gary Ray episode. Wouldn't it, though? Uh, I want a, a little brief editorial about this that phenomenon. I, I, we, put, <laughs> we put out episodes. Phenomenon. Yeah, we, we put out episodes, and then I'll hear, as I, I'm continually l doing research, maybe not every day, but at least like four or five days a week on for this show, uh, even during uh, quarantine and stuff, I was listening, you know, been logging shows, interviews, all that stuff. And I'll come across a clip that is just so frustratingly perfect for the episode right. we had just put out, or maybe even episodes we put out, uh, you know, before that. And I, I even asked our Twitter, I said, should I re-edit the episode? I saw that. And I said you shouldn't. It was kind of half and half in the poll, but... Who cares what uh, they think? <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, telling you, don't do it. Yeah, for my reasoning was that that seems like a punishment for the people who are most enthusiastic and yeah, God forbid they have to, to listen to these twice. Yeesh. It doesn't seem fair because how would they like? Imagine if like a show you watched was like, oh, by the we way, forgot a scene. Here's <laughs> here's a scene that, and we were just like, here's how Breaking Bad it. really ended. Yeah, kind of like director's cuts or whatever. Which I'm always yeah. too not. I'm like interested, but I'm like I don't want to watch a whole movie again. <laughs> I'd say treat this podcast like the living organism that it is mm, yeah. and have no regrets. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i definitely decided to Leave not... Leave the regrets to me. ...not re-edit unless it's like literally within a few hours of it going out there. That's fair. But uh, I will you say... You could have that, like a three-hour time limit. Yeah. The feeling is pretty horrible though when it happens because I work... I work very hard to make these like these perfect pieces of historical archival things mixed with our conversation. And then that happened with Particle Man too, but I don't even want to talk about that. But uh, Wabi Sabi. So anyway, uh, the Gary Ray interview, my plan in the future was let's do a Gary Ray interview and then let's have a live 80s show. So yeah, you, you are perceptive. That is what we're doing. Their 80s concerts were very interesting. And uh, there's a lot of funny things that happen on mm -hmm. stage. I mean, the thing is, even with this show, I'm leaving out 90% of things I've heard. I, I picked a, a little sampling, but you know, there's so many little moments here and there w without context that I'm always trying to think of context for. So let's get into it. Uh, well, let's, let's talk first of all, a little bit generally about their 80s shows. Uh, their 80s shows are really until... 90 or so, uh, they were with a drum machine. Yes. I know this is not news to most of our listeners, but just for context. And they, stop being so judgmental, audience. It was the two, it was the two of them. We're on, doing the best we can. It was the two of them on stage with a drum machine. If anyone has ever seen footage of the 80s shows, you could see some of that in Gigantic, a uh, really special clip there. Like Flansburg is the real high energy guy. He's jumping around, you know, going nuts with mm -hmm. the guitar. <laughs> Check 
Linnell's always on accordion, basically. Mm-hmm. It really got to a point in the in the 90s and, and later when it was like Linnell picking up an accordion was like a special moment at a show. But in the 80s, it's like all it was. I repeat it for those who may not have already guessed. The world is Um, 80s shows are also interesting to listen to because it's there are fans in the audience, but it's early in their career. So they're not like crazy fans. Mm-hmm. Like they're not like the most, sometimes they're not the most like supportive audiences. I noticed in the stuff you sent me, there's a lot of, uh, I'd say borderline heckling. <laughs> yeah. It's like kind of wish heckling. they'd shut up a little bit. One thing I, I definitely want to talk about, which we'll get into, is this one show they did in the UK where the, the audience is terrifying sounding. <laughs> um, it's a lot of very combative show. There's a lot of clips, um, which I may or may not use, though, of, you know, Linnell's like annoyed, <laughs> like <laughs> very clearly annoyed by the audience being annoying. This next song does require your participation. We ask you to stomp along, snap along, or clap along to the beat being laid down by Mr. John Linnell here. Don't speed up. Don't make the same mistake that so many have made before. And finish up that conversation you're having, because it's time for some entertainment rock music style. I've got lots of stuff from the 80s and 90s of of these things happening. It's just the nature of the beast. But yeah, in the 80s, they were kind of a new band still. They were still on an indie label. So the crowds were kind of small. So you could actually really hear when people say things. (laughs) Oh, yes, you can. I'm about to block that one. (laughs) Which which is which John? Linnell Flansburg. There is no smoking here tonight. Mm. Oh, um, the security people would like to remind everyone under 21 that it's really none of your business. You could hear various random bits here and there, so that'll come up. Bill Krauss did the sound in the back, you know, and then he was replaced by Jean. Ah, my old friend, Bill Krauss. Still very supportive of the show, I'll say that. So yeah, let's let's go into it. Let's go into my actual structured thing. Let's do it. The first thing I want to talk about, apropos enough, is uh, stage introductions what they would come out on stage mm. to. Uh, I'll also say, I'm constantly clar- uh, qualifying things. There are some stuff we're going to talk about in later episodes that are relevant to later. For example, yeah. they used to come out and do a spacesuit, and we will discuss that Whoa. when we do the Apollo 18 episode. That's an, that's an example. If you want to email us, be like, why didn't you mention this or that? This is why. We're going to do it, and shut up. Where did if you haven't been able to tell by now, this show is as exhaustive as possible about every little thing they might be trying to have ever done or recorded or said. Jordan is. And feel free to yeah. correct him. So one thing that I just thought was cool is they would, I have a lot of shows in the 80s where they would come out to this like karaoke piece of dirt track. And what I like about this is that it's just like you can almost take this and make your own like piece of dirt recording. And let's listen to that because it's, it's fun. I also think it's an interesting choice, like why piece of dirt, but we let's can. listen. 
So I thought that was interesting. Um, one thing that really comes to mind is how we, we talked about how one, I've read a thing recently where, or I heard an interview, it's all of mush or in my head. Or maybe dreamed it. Yeah. <laughs> where um, I was in a red room. No. Um, Linnell said that one of his favorite songs at that time was Piece of Dirt. Yeah. And they said like, what's one of your favorite songs? And because Linnell is as modest as possible, he'll name a song Flansburg wrote, you know, which is so, yeah. so nice of him. And then he'll tear him down in the next second because he's a bastard. Um, and he said, he, he says, piece of dirt got an emotional response out of him. Emotion? <laughs> what? I don't I really like the song Piece of Dirt. That's one of my favorites. I get emotional when we play that song. But what, what about Piece of Dirt is, is emotional for you? I don't I can't. I don't, I can't I, I'm going to start crying if I tell you. Um, I don't know. It's just a, it's a beautiful song. Which is really interesting. And, and I like that they started their shows, which can be pretty wacky and crazy right. with this like emotional uh, thing, even though it's mostly just a drum beat. I think it puts you in a mood, man. Yeah. And also we know I that liked it. Bill Krauss, like he um, made those clicks and clacks yeah, happen. He took and, out all the traditional drum sounds. Mm -hmm. I think it sets you up for a, uh, a raucous good time. It's a little bit ominous too. Kind of, <laughs> kind of gets you a little bit unsettled before they come out. They definitely Catch have a history of unsettling intros. And now the next intro, which is going to be a, a major segment of this episode, is called Countdown. Countdown to the program. Checklist. Ten. Your ten fingers reach into the air. Nine! You wiggle your nine toes in anticipation. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? They might be giants have just crash-landed their glass-bottom car into the control tower at Jim Baker International Airport. That was a dark intro. Were you aware <laughs> of this before I sent it to you? No, not at all. Really? Oh my God, that's exciting. I remember the first time I heard it, I was freaked out because it was so... When did you hear it? Years ago. Uh, well, so first... Okay, so, so you know it for... A a while. It's a complicated thing. So they had one during the John Henry tour that was similar to that, but without Linnell's funny interludes mm -hmm. and also with some different parts to it. But I actually, we might talk about that later about when we talk about the John Henry tour. But uh, this one is more funny and more mm -hmm. uh, surreal and, and it's kind of similar to the stuff we heard on then the earlier years, bonus say, discs. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this one has a few references we could talk about. So lay it on me, daddy. -o. All right. Um, well, first of all, we could just say in general, it's very clever. It's using numbers as puns. I did notice that. And it gets, <laughs> yeah. gets kind of like what Lucky Ball and Chain was supposed to be, as we discussed in our right. flood episodes. Did you guys like our flood episodes? Wasn't that a, a exciting thing? That was like 10 years ago. That seems so long ago. Um, yeah, it was a different world. Yeah, I know. I remember editing out. Dave made a coronavirus joke, but it was so early I was ahead of the curve. Yeah, it was weird because <laughs> it was early enough that it seemed like a, one of those silly things to be worried about. Mm. But then we cut it out when I was editing because we were just like, I think Dave didn't want it. He was just like, eh, it's not funny, which Dave says all the time about his own stuff, which is often very funny. Thank you. <laughs> but now it's weird that that happened. So one of the first things that John Linnell says is, they might be giants have just crash landed their glass bottom car into the control tower at Jim Baker International Airport. This is a loaded thing here. I thought it was just nonsense. So glass bottom car is something I looked into. 
when I researched this, what came up, and you'll be you'll like this, Dave, is this Tex Avery cartoon mm-hmm. from the uh, it's called. It's a big assumption on your part. Go ahead. Oh, I want to make clear, this is a guess. I don't know if this is what he's referencing. Okay. Oh, my assumption was that you'd like it? Yeah. No. Dave likes old cartoons. I don't think that's a big assumption. How dare you? Um, and this one is quite uh, sexist. <laughs> now I really like it. Um, well, I won't play the sexist part, but I will play Oh, the- come on. <laughs> it's got to be a reason I came over here. I risked my health. So it's a Tex Avery cartoon called... House of Tomorrow, and it's like one of those kind of like 64 World's Fair thing, being sure. like, this is what technology will be like tomorrow, but it's like jokes and stuff. And towards the end of it is uh, this part. These new bumpers were built with pedestrians in mind. Just let them try to get away. This same model has a glass bottom so that when you hit a pedestrian, you can look down and see if he was a friend of yours. That's funny. So, to to point out what's going, this is a, a weird cartoon, but it's like I think it's uh, mostly for adults. Yeah, all the penises would indicate that. Yeah, what what happened was uh, a man drove over another man with a car, and then as he drove by, he looked down at the man <laughs> under the car in the glass bottom of the car. We know they've referenced old cartoons and stuff before. Yeah, for uh, sure. The big one being Rhythm Section One ad and stuff, and we've we've sort of discovered over doing the show like other possible little cartoon looney tunes references so i wonder if this was in their brains their memories uh so that's exciting um i think so do you think that's the glass bottom car reference dave it's entirely possible jordan i like to think we live in a world of wonder i I disagree (laughs) unrelated maybe but i felt i had to say something so the second part of that line that linnell has is jim baker international airport now, where is that? So, Jim, do you know who Jim Baker is? I don't. The PTL Television Network presents Jim Baker. For many years, Jim and Tammy have been welcomed into the homes of millions of people. Now it's a turnabout, and every one of you are welcome into Jim and Tammy's lovely home on beautiful Lake Riley, located near Charlotte, North Carolina. And now with many of our friends, here they are in their living room, Jim and Tammy. Hello, welcome back to our home. It's nice to see you. Jim Baker is yet another uh, reference to a creepy televangelist uh, who ah, was guessed. a big con artist, scam guy, asshole, who's even doing stuff now about coronavirus. Uh, so this is timeless stuff. Is that the guy that always looks sad? No, he looks pretty happy in all the clips. Is I that watch. the guy that always looks sweaty? Well, so you might know Tammy Faye Baker. Oh, but, yes, yeah. of course. Because I, I remember that... when I was a kid, Bloom County, the comic strip, <laughs> used to make fun of her all the time. Probably Jim Baker, too. But what stuck in my mind was the Tammy stuff. Is that her? Well, she was lampooned in cartoons a lot and stuff. Yes, yes. So they were a, a couple. Are they still together? Is she dead? <laughs> His Wikipedia is a... Uh, is a massive document of scandals and sex scandals and horrible uh, drugs and all, hmm. a lot of stuff going on. So he, so I think it, uh, in this countdown is from 1988. By that point, he was found out as having mm-hmm. a lot of, let's say, skeletons in his closet, mm-hmm. not the cool kind. Like there's an interview with them on Nightline in 1987 about all the scandals. So, and this countdown's from a year later. So he was possibly. In, entrenched in ill doing a lot of bad stuff he's a bad guy but uh why well let's let's not judge too harshly 
Go on. <laughs> but uh, so, but the the thing that I, interested me is Jim Baker International Airport. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's too, uh, so much of a non sequitur because what I actually found while watching a lot of Jim Baker material, mm-hmm. uh, you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> um, there's this one episode of their public access show, or not maybe not public access. They were on some channel. Private access. <laughs> they were they were on some channel. Uh, they had a show, and in one episode, there was this special where they announced that they're going to have all these buildings built, like these massive buildings where people can come and pray. Mm-hmm. And they're the size of airports. They're like giant mm-hmm. freaking buildings. The Partner Center is under construction, slated to be open this <laughs> summer for the use of thousands and thousands of God's people. <laughs> Rain or shine. We'll have a cafeteria twice the size of almost the largest cafeterias in America today to feed the millions of people that come to Heritage USA. We've broken ground. Wow. (laughs) The 1,000-seat hall here for seminars and workshops. And then right in behind that will be a new 5,000-seat auditorium. Did they ever build these? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they're like crack dens now or something. It's almost like they're make, he's making his own Disney World or something. Right. Heritage USA is the name of it. You know, to fulfill this scripture, to gather together, the devil has really done more for fellowship for his crowd than God's people have done for God's people to fellowship together. That's true. The enemy has built a fellowship hall in big cities on every corner called a bar. In the middle of the night, you can go down and find a bartender to talk to you. But how many churches are open in the middle of the night? How many Christian centers are open in the middle of the night? You know. That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> Tammy in that clip is just like, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, I got to get out of she here. Didn't, some, there's a comment being like, she didn't want these built. You could see how unhappy she is. Like, <laughs> I don't really know the whole story there. But so this is my this is my theory, Dave, is that Jim Baker International Airport is a parody of Jim Baker opening up these thousand seat visitor centers or whatever the hell this is, a theme park, (laughs) whatever uh, spaceship that's going to take everyone away. Um, So that's that's my idea with with that. Uh, Do you Dave, what do you think about him saying that bars are the devil's? uh, Oh, I agree. You can't really (laughs) argue with it. (laughs) <laughs> but unfortunately, I don't like bars myself. Vastly more interesting than the alternative. Yeah, there you go. I, I like to accept everyone. You know, I'll go to a church. I'll go to a bar. You yeah. got to get the most out of life. Yeah, bring. There's like that joke in the Simpsons movie. Yeah, when the church people and I the was bar just people about switch. That the other day. That's a that's a solid joke, people. Um, it's a good joke. It's a good joke. Got a big laugh at the theater. I remember. So it, that let, movie came out 72 years ago. Yeah, I know. Actually, that was one of the more disturbing moments. Uh, it was like a year ago, and I was like, for some reason, I looked up the Simpsons movie, and I was like, that was like, was 10, it like 2007 or something? Yeah, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? I thought I just saw that with Dave like <laughs> a year ago. It was really weird. Those times are precious. Hey, already you've forgotten what you ate for dinner. A creeping numbness consumes you. This just in, the human egg has been sighted plummeting from the sky. Scientists standing by to assure us that nothing is wrong have already been found murdered in their laboratories. Seven! Seven members of the group, They Might Be Giants, have quit the band over bitter disagreements about the introduction to tonight's show. All right, let's let's continue into the countdown. Let's get this show started, huh? Yeah. Uh, We didn't start it yet? A creeping numbness consumes you. Tryptophan. 
Yeah, <laughs> maybe. So John Linnell interrupts uh, Flansburg here to say, this just in, the human egg has been sighted plummeting from the sky. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if human egg is a reference. And it kind of put me down a rabbit hole of insanity. And I, I think... Oh, I don't doubt it. I think I might be onto something. So let me first, to, to satisfy I'll people's... I'll settle in. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> to satisfy people's uh, skepticism, it is very likely that they just thought of the phrase human egg as a, <laughs> sci- as a bizarre sci-fi concept, right? Okay. It kind of reminds me of uh, The Prisoner or something. Right. Some weird um, 50s B-movie sci-fi thing because the next line is he says, scientists have been murdered in their laboratories, blah, blah, right. blah. It's hilarious. I butchered his joke, but you know, you, know, you get the point. <laughs> scientists and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly this is supposed to be like an, an old-timey kind of sci-fi thing. But when I looked up the human egg... There's a band and an album from the 70s called Human Egg. Well, there you go. Not just that, but the person who made this band is very interesting and has a history of very um, TMBG-ish qualities. Uh, kind of reminded me of the residents a lot. And I, I would totally bet that they are fans of this person because he's like oh. this legendary. Kind of remind me of also um, when we talked about... Sapphire Bullets? Yeah. It reminded me of Mahav- Mahavishnu Orchestra guy. I wasn't going to remember See how the name. quickly I forget <laughs> the names of the stuff I used to research. It's okay. Um, reminds me a lot of... Oh, his name was John because we were wondering if that was right. what the reference was. I so, thought it was referring to John Goodman. <laughs> yeah. So Human Egg is... Uh, I'm paraphrasing this article here. Super obscure oddball disco funk by French studio is... Jean-Pierre Massiera. I, don't I mean, that sounds up Flans' alley so for sure. <laughs> this, this band sounds like Monopuff. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, so I'll play you some clips, I've Dave. heard of them. Really? I like Monopuff. Monopuff. Oh, Monopuff. <laughs> Keep up. Okay. <laughs> I probably would like anything that sounds like Monopuff. So here's a song called Love Like This. dig that bass. I could see this being a huge influence on John Flansburg. But th- there's also a lot of genre bending because then there's a song called Lonely Man that's kind of a folky country thing. The city seems to feel asleep. A frightened man looks all around him. Sounds like The Unforgiven by Metallica. The idea that the human egg has been spotted plummeting from the sky. There is a song on this album called Fly. What we know they might be giants do is they take musical references and kind of invert them and turn them into surreal jokes. Fly, 
So this song is kind of him saying, fly over the world, you'll be like a bird, fly mm-hmm. over the world again. I think it's funny for Linnell to be like, and now the human egg is plummeting from the sky. Uh-huh. Again, this is all a guess. This might be totally reaching. The other song I want to play, they have a song called Onomatopoeia that um, for anyone familiar with Monopuff's uh, live shows, <laughs> mm-hmm. they had an opening act and and people on their album called Double Dong. <laughs> Do you remember this, Dave? I don't know that. Double Dong was this weird acapella group that opened for Monopuff and is also on It's Fun to Steal, the album. Uh, they're in uh, Extra Crispy. Okay. You know, they go like... <laughs> I can't really do it with my throat. As a double is. dong is wont to do. But this one song sounds exactly like them. And again, I, this is my theory is that Flansburg is, is... Or at least Flansburg, if not both of them, are fans of this guy because Flansburg seems to be really into these obscure, random... And Human Egg, but this is only one album the guy made called Human Egg. It's kind of this rare, singular thing. But then I'm going to go into another album he made that really reminded me of They Might Be Giants. But so this is Onomatopoeia. like that in your ears Dave it's awful <laughs> it's truly awful but yeah it is exactly like that one part of the monopoly song it is um so a few more things that seemed that connected this guy to they might be giants to me his other album that he's made is called venus gangs love to fly and then he has another album he made called herman rockets space woman mm-hmm so that made me think of For Science, which is about sure. a Venus woman from space. So they're like these two things this guy has. One is called Venus Gang and also Love to Fly, which is interesting, all about flying. And then the next thing is Herman Rockets, which I think is a fake name. Herman Rockets Space Woman. So he's like writing things about like women from outer space, like For Sciences. Mm. And then the other thing is he made this weird concept uh, album that's like this 18-minute instrumental sort of. There are some chapter stops in it, but uh, it's called Horrific Child. And I know this is the cover, Dave. Oh, boy. (laughs) It's terrifying. Yikes. Um, Is that an anglerfish with an afro? It's like some sort of fish with an afro, and there's an eyeball and a snake. This looks kind of like the Residence covers or also looks like Captain Beefheart uh, to me. Um, These are, if anyone doesn't know, these are weird bands that made surreal music that wasn't exactly uh, mainstream sounding. Uh, which I think they might be giants admire a lot, you know? Um, so Horrific Child, to me, recalls Rabbit Child. Rabbit child. Um, I've not really heard the word child used in that way a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because children are so precious, as we all know and, and agree on. future. Yeah. Let's listen to a bit of Horrific Child. <laughs>
Yeah, his, his goal for Horrific Child was to make a psychological experience. So it's not really music so much. There was, there, there's parts that are music. So it's very artsy. It's a 33-minute... Did I say 18 minutes before? Yeah. It's a th- <laughs> that was wrong. It's a 33-minute... Why so short? Yeah. That sounds like a story by Violent Femmes at the it's, end it of reminds Freak me of a story. It, it also reminds me of Goblin, the band that did the music for Dario Argento movies, and it's like... In Suspiria, right? It's just like, la, la, la. <laughs> it's like really weird. It's the kind of music that definitely unlocks a portal to somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I wonder if they're fans. You know, I did try Googling his name and They Might Be Giants, see if anything came up mm-hmm. and really nothing. Uh, they've never mentioned him as far as I could tell. You got to get this album cover off your screen, man. It's yeah, freaking it's me out. it's really scary. I'll post a picture of it on yeah, our Twitter. Yeah, you, you got to show the people what we're reacting to. Now might be a good time. Our Twitter is at Don't Let's Pod. You could see a bunch of stuff about each episode that we do and also a bunch of attempts at uh, humor from me throughout the the week. There you go. So yeah, uh, those are the main reference points for Countdown, but we can talk a bit about the rest of it just because it's funny. You begin to feel sick. Flash, Professor Psycho Fuckup, arrested and convicted of gate-crashing the show tonight, has hung himself by his watch band in his prison cell. He is listed in perfect condition. Five... Your five senses swell as you realize that history is not being made tonight. Rather, it is being consumed by a creeping numbness standing next to you. Four! No one seems to know what this is for. Overturned tractor trailers rubbernecking bumper to bumper! Then John Linnell comes in, and I tried to find if this was a reference, mm-hmm. but I don't think it is. He says, Professor Psycho Fuck Up. And as you'll, you'll hear... Oh, that's what he says. <laughs> Professor Psycho Fuck Up. Uh, this is not a thing as far as I could locate. It's a great name. It, it also remind, it reminds me of like these old serials or something mm-hmm. and that would play Definitely. before movies or whatever. Um, I have a DVD of the Batman ones that I've never opened. That's good to know. Number five is your five senses swell as you realize history is not being made tonight. It is being consumed by a creeping numbness standing next to you. You know, I agree. And that... <laughs> That's kind of what we were talking about about before. Yeah, that's right. History has its eyes on you. John Linnell says, overturned tractor trailers, rubbernecking bumper to bumper, which is really funny. Uh, That's just, uh, I was even looking up like old traffic reports. A little traffic humor for everyone. See if I could find that. Um, Ladies and gentlemen. I think the the real thing that is exciting about this countdown, though, is that it, it continues past one. I was excited by that. And it goes, well, and also there's this like uh, self-deprecating joke that, Make way for the one band that can overcome the zero in their bank account. Great joke. Three! Only three seconds remain until They Might Be Giants hits the stage over and over again. Two! It's time to sit back and make way for the one band that can overcome the zero in their bank account. I don't mean to be the negative one, but you'd be negative two if it weren't for the fabulous show you're about to enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, make way for They Might Be Giants. Thanks a lot. Good evening. So to use negative one and negative two in as puns, as wordplay, is something I've never heard before. <laughs> Uh, it must have happened somewhere, but <laughs> I can't imagine where or why. Yeah, probably on Sesame Street. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I remember year, when I was younger hearing the countdown, when I was getting into the Giants and finding all the rare stuff and just being like, oh my God, they're so damn <laughs> clever. Like, I just couldn't believe it. So this was the intro for every show? 
like consistently for a number d- of years? What's or? weird is that these intros and, and all these shows that I hear, it's all different. It's like different every time. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I only have a small sample of all their 80s shows. I have like hmm. maybe like 15 of them. But they're still doing it into the 90s. They resurrected it in 1994 on, for John Henry, I see. but re-recorded it and did a shorter, quicker version huh. that didn't have all the weird surreal stuff in it. I see. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that I wish was included on then the earlier years or, you know, Mm. like we know that they have this big archive of all these like stage intros and things they'd send to radio stations. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Thankfully, what we have is pretty damn good quality, though. I am thankful. The next tradition from the 80s live shows that I want to talk about that I've been wanting to talk about for a while is Scream As If You're In Hell. Oh, sure. Yeah. Classic. So let's listen to some Flansburg setting up Scream As If You're In Hell to a a eager audience. <laughs> we have one special request to be here in the House of Gusto. We all know that there's one, 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 one little thing that everybody likes to do more than anything else. And that's what we're going to ask you to do right now. We ask you to please. This woman has the right idea. Please, ladies and gentlemen, it's 1988. Scream as if Now, now... In the middle of the song, we ask the audience to scream as if you're in hell. This is your sound check. Please, ladies and gentlemen, don't be shy. Scream as if you're in hell! I hate, I hate, I hate to divide an audience. I hate to divide an audience between the genders, but I can only hear women screaming, please, boys, help us out and scream as if you're in hell! I don't know why German crowds are louder than American crowds, but German crowds seem to understand intrinsically the meaning of screaming as if you're in hell. This song is called Hideaway Folk Family. In the middle of the song, we ask you to scream. You know how to do it. This is how it goes. So scream as if you're in hell was something Flansburg asked the audience to do or demanded mm. <laughs> the audience to do during the, as he says, the 16 bars in Hideaway Folk Family right. that were, were the bridge or that what is the bridge of the song. On the album, he has the spoken word thing. He does that now. Yeah, they, they did this for a while. I, I saw it personally in 97 or so at like in one of those Irving Plaza duo shows. And that was really fun. Um, but they've been doing this since the 80s, and, and it's in almost every bootleg I have is them doing this. Mm. This is a song from our record called They Might Be Giants. And in the middle part, there are about eight bars where John is going to invite you to scream once more as though you're in hell, or maybe you even feel that you're in hell. In either case, this is Hideaway Folk Family. I guess I wanted to talk about it on a few levels. One is just Flansburg's showmanship level, Mm -hmm. which is that he's just so great at addressing a crowd. Uh, Even if it's like not going well, it's just funny. He's like, (laughs) he's just like always like has these funny things to say. Uh, In that clip I played, I like the the line about uh, German (laughs) because they just came from a tour in Germany, which is why he said that. I also want to talk about in terms of like re reassessing the lyrics of that song. Like it's, we've talked about in our episode where we dis, uh, discussed it, uh, though in a much briefer discussion than I think it would, would be these days in our podcast. Tell me about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got home after four hours Seriously. instead of seven hours. 
Um, I got things to do too, you know. Just yeah, the idea that it is like the song is like a horror movie. Yeah. Though actually, this is this is just occurring to me now. This is a good point. Uh, speaking of clips that I discovered after doing the episodes, mm-hmm. there is a clip from a later show of Flansburg talking about the origin of the title "Hideaway Folk Family." So this is not an '80s uh, best moment, but I'm going to play this while we briefly discuss "Hideaway Folk Family." Let me hear it. Don't end prematurely. Because it'll, it'll spoil the whole effect. We're just looking for a standing wave of pain just running throughout the audience. And if you really want to freak the people out around you, just like rotate around. <laughs> do that. Uh, kind of do that. Linda Blair on. It's very effective. You get a little bit more space for the rest of the show. A little more elbow room. So John, there really was a Hollywood Book family, wasn't there? That's right. Yeah. It was a uh, it was a Fisher Price toy. Is that, is that right? It was a catalog. It was something in some uh, catalog called the Hideaway Folk Family, and it was just like a toy that had drawers and things that folded down. It's complicated. Here we go. Another old toy. Yeah, that is interesting that uh, Toddler Highway and Hideaway Folk Family are both like songs that play off these old childhood toys hacha too really right. so Flansburg seems to kind of uh like i don't know is he's exercising some old some <laughs> something maybe someone has a fetish <laughs> not everything is about fucking dave <laughs> there's a lot of interesting things about that clip even uh which is that linnell prompts him to explain it mm-hmm. which is so rare uh as speaking as someone who's listened to like a hundred They Might Be Giants shows or something. That just never happens. Like, Linnell seems to not really want to explain what songs are about. Uh, Flansburg usually mm-hmm. does want to. Right. Uh, when Linnell does want to explain a song, he kind of usually says it as a joke or it's something he'll say at the same show for like 10 shows in a row. So yeah, it's interesting that he prompts him to explain the title and it's kind of just this rare moment of them pointing out one of their obscure references. Like, it'd be amazing if they did that more, but it'd also be almost disappointing, right? Like, you don't, it's fun to discover them yourself in a way. There's a certain amount of mystique that you want to keep in your heart. Yes. Forever. Um, So, and once again, with with the Fisher-Price toy thing, just turning this children's toy into this horrific song that seems to be about mm-hmm. uh, this family being murdered or something or hunted, I don't know, is interesting. So then you, you tie that to Scream as if you're in hell, which is just the idea that like we're all going to be in the song, you know, we're all going to like feel the feeling of this yeah. song. Like, I don't think scream, Feel the burn. scream as if you're in hell would work for like, I don't know. like Birdhouse. Birdhouse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Exactly. Though I was thinking, I was trying to think of a song. I'm like, it actually would work for a lot of their songs. Well, like I said, there's a, there are themes that run, especially with Flansburg, exercising old demons. Exercising demons. As exercised they must be. <laughs> it keeps them in shape. Back to you, Jordan. <laughs> um, whenever I whenever I say a a, a joke, I'm gonna go. 
Wow. Yeah, I didn't. I wanted to tell you, everyone, you know, that our, you had a slide whistle new, this whole time. The new era of the podcast. If this is season <laughs> two, we're we're bringing in sound effects. We're bringing in. We wait, have to say a few words about what's been bothering you lately. Oh, where to start? Well, you know, my wife, she crashed the car. Oh, God. <laughs> that was supposed to be a blues riff, which I apparently don't know oh, how to do. No. <laughs> oh, they might be giants. Let's keep talking about them. <laughs> this is going to be an argument in emails about what to cut or not. Oh, it's not going to be an argument. It's, it's cut. <laughs> Oh, there's one other scream as if you're in hell clip I wanted to to play, which I thought was funny because uh, they might be giants. They're very, uh, they're they often in these in these shows are very tour weary. They have a lot of opinions about the places they've been and the experiences they've had. What's it called when you're weary and you don't go anywhere? That's what I am. We have a very special song now because this this is our first time in New Orleans and our first time here and and the heat is making us delirious. So, we'd like to remind you that we've left out the music in the middle of this song, so you can solo with us, the band, They Might Be Giants. We ask you to scream as if you're in hell. This is your sound check. Please, scream as if you're in hell! No, no, that was the scream as if you're in Houston. This is scream as if you're in hell! It's funny. I think venue songs was a great uh, outlet for them to like make fun of all, all different places right. they've been to and all. <laughs> There's like a lot of of. It's funny because they'll play a show and then you'll listen to a bootleg and a few shows later they'll be like trashing the place <laughs> that they just played a show and we're like, you guys are great. It's pretty hilarious. So that was scream as if you're in hell, Dave. You have any other thoughts on screaming as if you're in hell? And how often do you scream <laughs> as if you're in hell? It is one of those rare times where you actually get to do that in public. And um, yeah. not be seen as a raving lunatic. Yeah. Yeah, it works it's when you're surrounded by a thousand yeah. people also doing it. Right. Not so much when you're like in at your office and you're in the like the men's room. Right, which is when you want to do it. Yeah. Can't do that in the elevator. <laughs> um, that would be very startling. Thank you. Thank you. For a minute there, I thought we really were in hell, but we're not. We're right here. So the next, uh, this is a bunch yeah, of... Yeah, let's kick it up. You. This is the next, yeah, let's get the energy. But for, for people listening, we have to keep the air conditioner off because <laughs> of sound, and it really drains our, all our body energy is being is being used to like... Well, it's a swarthy 83 degrees in New York here, Yeah. so... I don't think that's the word you oh, can use. Oh, did you hear the new uh, Tim Swarthy stand up <laughs> special? <laughs> now I'm glad I said it. There it goes. <laughs> I really <laughs> am against that. Well, let's see what our fans think. I, Do you like the slide whistle of being incorporated into the show? No, because now they're going to overwhelmingly vote it in. <laughs> um, but, you know, I have 51% stock in Don't Let's Start. That's true. A podcast. Um, they might be giants. So let's move on to the next uh, portion. Which, I'm, I'm voting you out. <laughs> which I don't really have an official title for, but in my notes I wrote, magic occurring when technical issues happen. So something consistent with these shows, partly uh, in large part due to the tape backup, is that technical issues uh, stop the show dead. <laughs> the old ghost in the machine, we call it. Here's a, a song off our brand new 
single record. And uh, it's on the flip side again of the, uh, the single. And this is called, It's Not My Birthday. Sorry. We do this once every show. And sometimes more. Let's try one more. I gotta hear those clicks. I wanna stress we're not I'm not doing this to make fun of them. I know that they probably hate moments like these, but I, in my opinion, they handle them so great. With great aplomb. They are very funny during these moments, and they're, it's, it's very... Look, we've both been in bands. We've had technical issues happen on stage. It's, it really is the worst f feeling Pretty in the much world. every show. I, it's kind of guaranteed. Yeah. I, I have nightmares. I, I, I have reoccurring nightmares still where um, the I, microphone I doesn't do, work, yeah. or my I forget... Well, the amp doesn't work. forget how to play guitar, or my hands don't work. It's like weird. Your hands turn into spaghetti, yeah. Yeah. You start having sex with <laughs> your your mom, um, but maybe I still have those nightmares uh, to this day. Yeah, and that's you know people. It's funny when you're performing, people like you get nervous. It's like as long as everything's working, it's a rehearsed show. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I don't have to write a song on the spot. Exactly. Um, though speaking of writing a song on the spot, let's let's talk about that. You're welcome. So there's this one UK show that I mentioned where the crowd is absolutely insane. We're going to hear a little bit of that now. Something that happened once is they had some bad technical difficulties, which we'll hear about. And what happened was Flansburg apparently seemed to make up a song on the spot mm -hmm. to fill about a minute. And this is kind of like a weird, rare, they might be giant song in, in yeah. a way. So, so let's listen to some of, of how that all came about. Did all the sound go away in the middle or was that just a flashback that I had? All right. Well, that's the dependable British sound that we've come to look for. All right. No, no, no. It's really worse in New York, I can assure you. And you're so fucking talented yourself, sir. <laughs> right. But before we break our wrists, patting ourselves on the back, it's time to see if we can play a new song. been a technical problem. This is a brand new song. It's about having a drunk guy put his face in your face. Don't make the same mistake that so many have made before you. Mr. Gnard, is this, is this happening or is, is there yes. a problem? We're in London. We're on stage and there's no sound coming off the stage. Do they like They Might Be Giants? Like, are they there because they're fans? Yeah, they seem like so uh, angry. Maybe we're misinterpreting anger as excitement in, yeah. in the, the British voice. So, so as you're hearing, they're struggling on stage. The audience is yell not making it easy for them. They're yelling right. at them, which I think m makes your anxiety go up. You know, it's like when you show up for a comedian and heckle them. I don't understand that. Yeah, you paid money to see something you like. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what that leads to is Flansburg makes up this song called Jukebox. And I was wondering about that. There's this a weird... It's a good song. I'm not quite sure. I'll say this. I'm not quite sure if he's making this up on the spot or not. But it, it certainly sounds to me like he is. Or if it was something he was kicking around. Exactly. Um, but let, let's listen to him, how he handles this uh, problem. Okay. 
Do a song, John. Well, hello, everybody. We're in Happy Giants from Brooklyn, New York. Help me, 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 help That's a great song. That's a pretty damn solid song. Um, Very Johnny Cash. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Extremely Johnny Cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like a real song. What what it's interesting to me is that he doesn't even leave gaps of instrumental to maybe think of some words. Right. It just keeps going and going and going. And they might giants are no stranger to making up songs on stage, but this this is still kind of a rare moment where this almost is classified in my mind as like a they might be giant song. It's a freestyle, um, as good as Eminem. The strange thing is, though, if you research this song, um, it's and I won't. It's, Go ahead, <laughs> John Lovitz. <laughs> it's listed in a 1994 set list mm -hmm. that they played on the radio, on a radio show, which I don't, I don't have. So I was trying to find out if anyone has it. I couldn't find it anywhere. But there's a radio show, I guess, when they were promoting John Henry, where it says on uh, TMBW that they played this song. So I don't know if that means they played something else called Jukebox or they actually is, this is a song that's just in Flansburg's brain they literally for this. five, six years. I want an album version of that song. I've yeah. never heard that before two days ago. Yeah, yeah. And I like it. Yeah, it's funny because that was just kind of buried box, in my files. Box. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Baby, 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 baby. Someone took his, a monkey took his baby <laughs> and shook his baby around. I guess a monkey would, would do that. Took my baby, shook my baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. I can tell Dave's really into the song. <laughs> help me, help me, please. <laughs> so that's one amazing magical technical difficulties moment. Another one is in Hamburg. And where a lot of technical difficulties happen, I think. You know what I'm saying? And um, You guys know what I'm saying. And this is an ex extremely rare live performance, uh, at, especially at the time, of Toddler Highway because I think uh, the sound stopped working or the accordion stopped working. Let's, let's listen to how that happened. Here we go. Thank you very much. Uh, John, tragedy has some duct tape from our crew, if they're anywhere around. Uh, well, I'm gonna have to sing a little song by myself. Uh, I will have to take my time. Uh, the harsh white spotlight of despair is on stage right now. This song is called uh, Toddler Highway. In the morning sun, around seven o'clock, the parking lot fills round Toys R Us And my little girl, she will get away Ride her bike down Toddler Highway Take your clothes and play Toddler Highway Okay, 
accidents like this happen to us usually only in New York, so this is a very special occasion here in Germany for us to completely crash the whole show. So no one applauds that. <laughs> I guess they didn't know it was a song. Yeah, if that was me in the audience, I'd be freaking out at that they <laughs> did a, a spontaneous rare song from their first album. That That's amazing. This was from 11-28-87. Man, oh man. <laughs> yeah, can you believe that date? Um, similar to Flansburg doing Toddler Highway. So we talked in our, our Flood episodes about uh, the time Linnell did Dead when there was right. a problem, uh, which wasn't a technical problem. It was that uh, Flansburg was sick. But what I didn't know, I thought it was a special, unique moment that was an emotionally powerful way to end that episode. Uh -huh. But he's actually done that before. So you were wrong. He's actually done that before years earlier. Uh, so this is from 1125, near my birthday. Uh, 80, When's your birthday? 1124. <laughs> uh, 1125, 89. And uh, something happens, and Linnell... This is what's exciting. He debuts Dead. So this is the first time Dead has been played. And this is 1989. Check it out. Okay. okay. <laughs> okay, this is continuing the Dead theme. Hallmark of our show. The song is called Dead. I returned a bag of groceries accidentally taken off the shelf before the eyes. For when I was eight, I made my younger brother have to be my personal slave. In a large procession way, the torches and my head fell in the basket and was there. Everybody dancing on the casket Now I'm sewer, I'm dead, I haven't done anything that I want Or I'm still alive and there's nothing I want to do Now I'm sewer, I'm dead, I haven't done anything that I want Or I'm still alive and there's nothing I want to do So that's that's an amazing moment. Uh, he says, I've never played that in public before. So, I mean, they really didn't play it at all during like a lot of flood shows, Apollo 18 shows, John Henry shows. So when I saw him do it in like the late uh, 90s, it was still a big deal because I think it had been like 10 years. Does the fact that it was played before sour that experience for you? You know, you cheapen it. the more you, you look at the context of your memories, the less uh, unique and special they are, and then you just, <laughs> you just end it all. <laughs> I think that's healthy. Um, so that was a cool moment. Uh, continuing the theme of, of things happening, technical difficulties happening, this is kind of silly, but this is just a moment that makes me laugh that I've... Laughter is important. That I've always uh, thought of. For some reason, there's like random things. Who in, will save the world? The clowns, Jordan. There's random things the in clowns. my head all the time. And this is one of them is while Flansburg is tuning, Linnell has to eat up time. 
yeah. by saying things. And there's a lot of funny moments like that throughout these shows, but this is one that I think of a lot. So enjoy this. Let's this see if it moment. lives up to that setup. It, it definitely won't. <laughs> you must be important. You know, John, I've been all over this stage. I've been over there. Well, actually, I haven't been over there yet. <laughs> that's it. Oh, that's that's the whole okay, thing. Okay, for some reason, I always think about Linnell saying, we've been all over this stage, <laughs> as if they're saying something like, he's saying it, the joke is that, I don't need to explain jokes, <laughs> right? As if they're talking about some like amazing travels they've had. Look, sometimes when you pan for gold, you get some fool's gold. Pan for gold. Wow. I remember learning about that in like first grade. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here, here's, I think we're just sort of deep in the technical difficulties section. So, of our show or? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of, uh, yeah, you know, we have that in common with them. So... Let's listen to this one of uh, them trying to to make to make Cowtown happen. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, wait, stop, stop, stop! Sounds like it's a little bit funny. There's a continuous Japanese guitar out of tuneness. It was a little bit fast. Okay. Okie doke. That's the voice of Mr. John Granada, the guy with the longest hair in this room. Joey's waiting outside. With who? We knew when we went to the crossroads and had the devil tune our instruments. Grenad, I just want to double check with you. The mass is securely lodged inside the abode, correct? The mouse in your house is fine. The mouse in my house seems to be doing okay. Yeah, we'll just play it. What a car! Grenon, it sounds like the tape's fast. Is the uh, is the pitch control thing in? Never, don't do a technical show. If you're starting a band, don't do this technical stuff because it never works out. So um. Is the pitch control pulled on? No, it should be pushed in. Push it in. Oh. I think the child just figured out something about the organization. Well, this is the most grinning from ear to ear. This is the most important show of our life, Bernard. 
The lady from New York Magazine is reviewing us. Okay, well, I just want to make that clear. I know. I hate to laugh at the. I really do hate to laugh at their misfortune, but it's just so funny. I mean, honestly, I, it, this this sounds like a good crowd where they're on their side, they're supporting <laughs> them. I think if it happens in front of a good crowd, it's it's kind of a it can actually be a nice moment. But yeah, so I like a bonding experience. <laughs> our world is crumbling. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing that could happen. That the backup tape speeds there's, up. There's backup tape. Yeah, there's 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 all these problems with it. There's there's like syncing it up. Sometimes they just miss the cue and they're like, ah, oh, fuck, like let's do it again. So I, I present these clips to again give an idea of like what their live shows were like is that there would often be these little moments like that. A lot of it was about syncing to the tape, them hearing their cues. Folks, it's like you're really there. Close your eyes, you don't know the difference. And we're going to reach the the big part of this section uh, to talk about something I've been excited to talk about since we sort of since we were planning uh, to have a podcast, which is one Indeed. time this happened during a show. I've got to fix the string on my guitar. I'll be with you in just one second. Mr. Grenon, are you ready for that cassette thing? You got the cassette up? You know, when you're in a rock band, you get a lot of interesting tapes in the mail. Drum solo! But this is by far the most interesting one we've ever gotten. So I'd like to play maybe not really, but it's got our name in it. It's kind of strange. We promise not to play the whole thing, but just play a little bit of it. Oh, wait, pause it here. Not to interrupt the the thread, but I made a special note of this. Um, There's a really funny exchange that happens uh, to the two people near, I guess, the tape recorder. So so let's listen. So a guy yells (laughs) drum solo, and then you hear his response. Drum solo! You're an asshole, man. I know it. I fucking know it, man. <laughs> That's funny. That's like out of like a Richard Linklater movie <laughs> or something. <laughs> these like two dudes do like I know it, man. I fucking know it. Wow. I love I, that. Like really jumped. That felt like from a movie to me. It was amazing. Unbelievable. Anyway, to to continue, uh, what's this mysterious thing Flansburg is going to play to the crowd? Let's check it I out. I can't wait. I might be giant too. Uh, it's listed online as I might be giants too, but I listened very carefully as I always do. You better have. Pretty damn sure it's I might be giant too. Wow, this is a weird song. So this isn't a song we're going to dive too deep into in terms of the lyrics and stuff because uh, they might be giants didn't write it. As you heard Flansburg say, uh, uh, someone dropped this tape off. 
So it's a song that uses the phrase, they might be giants. Is it by James Taylor? <laughs> yeah, I can see that. So, well, this is what I want to talk to you about, because this is some, one of the weirdest uh, urban myths <laughs> in They Might Be Giants history. Um, you, know, you know that horror movie, Urban Legends? If They Might Be Giants had a horror movie of their urban legends. This, this would, man never existed. This would be like the climax of that movie. This man was killed 30 years ago. <laughs> um, so Flansburg at one point said that this was by the band Deep Blue Something. Okay. Um, spoiler. Is something the name or he You don't know didn't... Deep Blue Something? No. Oh, uh, maybe you know this song by them, Dave. You'll say we've got nothing in common No common ground to start from And we're falling apart You'll say the world has come between us. Our lives have come between us. Still, I know you just don't care. And I said, What about breakfast to Tiffany? Oh, this song? Sorry, I'm not president of their fan club. Out of all the things I've chastised Dave for not having heard of, uh, I feel a little bad. But yeah, the, that, yeah, but I have heard of it. The name, yeah, he knows the song. The name of the band of is course. Deep Blue Something. Ter I never terrible band to, name. Yeah, I never bothered to learn that <laughs> stupid name. So here's what's spoiler alert. It's not on um, me. This they did not do. I might be giant too. Okay. Landsberg for some reason thought they did or lied and said they did. <laughs> um, what I find interesting though is. I believed it because that really does sound kind of like them. It sounds like the guy's voice. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm right. trying to do? Yeah, no, it does. If you compare it, um, I've actually got a way better uh, quality version of I Might Be Giants 2 here, which is uh, I just discovered literally a minute before Dave walked in the door is I found that there's actually an MP3 from uh, radio They Might Be Giants. which was an internet uh, service they had that had random songs. And, and in these random songs, there'd be some really rare little gems. So they actually put this on there. So let's listen to the, the good quality version. Maybe I'll, I'll fast forward a bit into it so you can hear more of the song. Donald Pleasance. There's a lot to talk about here. Um, you, you like that song? This is what I want to talk about. Um, I don't know because <laughs> so for years, fans thought it was a They Might Be Giants song because it was on Dial-A-Song. Mm -hmm. So besides that, it clearly had a different vocalist. <laughs> fans just assumed this was a They Might Be Giants song, some mm -hmm. weird thing they made. And when you have a bias as a fan, you like a song because mm -hmm. you just kind of like it. Um, so for years, I thought it was They Might Be Giants. It doesn't sound anything like them. 
well, over the phone, it's especially hard to tell. Mm, perhaps, but, um, perhaps. Then Flansburg comes out and says it's Deep Blue Something, which yeah. is the Breakfast at Tiffany's band. And again, I'll say, I really think it sounds like them. <laughs> um, I'll say the Deep Blue Something person in that band said that it's not them on MySpace. Wow. So there was this whole investigation that happened where someone... Was that like a big controversy that needed investigating? Yes. Wow. This was like the BTK killer. So the Deep Blue Something people are like, not us. I think they're like, not us, dude, or whatever. They're, no, I don't know. <laughs> but um, it's weird because it sounds like them. Um, so what we've got here, folks, is a, is a good old-fashioned mystery. Of course, I tried <laughs> to find out who made it, but there's really no way to do it. I Googled random lyrics here and there. Uh, nothing comes up except the They Might Be Giants context. You, um, don't, you don't think that they actually did make it and he made up that whole story. And they he's might just be doing a, made it. Yeah, and he's just no, doing I, a voice. I think it's a weird song because um, you'd, you'd almost think, and maybe this is admirable, you'd think a band doing a song, a tribute song about They Might Be Giants would put in like They Might Be Giants references and mm -hmm. stuff, but it's its own thing. The lyrics are weird. It's this kind of mythological thing about the the world needs to be saved and poor Mother Earth is going <laughs> to die and the giants... Are, Mother Gaia. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the giants know this and yeah dave do you have any opinion on these lyrics have, did you look up these lyrics i'll show them to you i did not they're not of in my opinion they're not of they might be giants caliber lyrics but they're not un, they're not uninteresting they're they're <laughs> uh, they're kind of what would the word be histrionic or they're a little over dramatic it's weird because again my point you'd think a, a, the, a tribute song where you say they might be giants it might be giants who would be funny Right, yeah. it'd be like a funny song, but it's actually this like really, it's like we are the world almost, yeah. and I think that in itself is more funny. And <laughs> may, I don't know if it's intentionally supposed I to don't be think funny. It is. <laughs> and I think Flansburg always found it funny. I know, I know, I also heard it live in the '90s because they they used it as an intro, also not to go back to the intro thing, but they used to open shows with that too. Uh, when they mm. did then their earlier years special shows, uh, that would be what they came out on stage to. And I remember thinking, like, what is this? <laughs> like, is this them? Like, I didn't know. I think it sets a mood. Yeah, it does. Oh, well, so I want to... Her pain is deep. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Mother Earth. Her heart is sweet. I left the light on. I turned the screw. I changed the channel now. I can't find you. I pay my number, I cast the scene, I want to be here now, so I can be free, whoa, whoa. This one's weird. I paint by numbers. I catch disease. I follow the Oof. meter now so I can be free. What did you find inside the grave? That's kind of TMBG-ish. Yeah. Bones lane with silence, lost in their place. But I want, in terms of is it a good song, all I'll admit to is it's gotten in my head a lot. Uh, I'm in my head today. Yeah, like I'm a melody fan, and in terms of melody, like it's got a good melody. Yeah, I've I used to, especially when I thought it was they might be giants. I used to 
sing it and think about it, you know, and, and just the past few days preparing for this episode, I just keep thinking, you know, in the days to come, <laughs> na, 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 na. like it's, it's a, it's a solid song. Maybe, maybe I've had a better production. Maybe if it wasn't so, um, dramatically produced, maybe, maybe just someone playing it on a mm. guitar would sound good. I don't know. Um, should cover it. It's an interesting thing in, in They Might Be Giants history that I've, I've been glad to, to have discussed. What band do you think secretly did it? Or Guy? It might not be a band. It might just be like a person. James Taylor. James Taylor. I could kind of see that. I mean, he basically like has a song like that. <laughs> like as far as we know, like the person might not be alive right now. They might be just some random person. It's weird no one's ever come forward and said anything, you know? Who did this? It's another mystifying artifact. Yeah, one of the things I love about being a They Might Be Giants fan is there's just this wealth of weird stuff. A you tapestry. Know, falls through tapestry. the Tapestry. <laughs> you don't tape it. So we are done with the technical issue segment, though that might come up in oh, in the future. I'll mention, like, we're definitely still going to have clips from the 80s shows throughout episodes as they are relevant, right? And there's a few things I'm... There's actually a really big 80s tradition that I'm... I decided kind of at the last minute to save for the future, and I have a very specific reason for that. So I, I trust your judgment. I'm only going to hint at it, but it's it's a big thing they used to do at a bunch of their shows. Blood orgy. <laughs> now, this is a little brief segment I want to talk about alternate lyrics. Uh, there's a few songs that were in their little proto-fetal... Uh, Keep going. <laughs> versions. Yeah. And they had a few different lyrics. Uh, uh, only two that I could really, that I think are significant. Um, one is I've Got a Match, which by the way, we talked about this before. They didn't do I've Got a Match at the Lincoln show we saw because they Those said they got, they got so sick of doing it in yeah. the 80s. It's almost in no bootlegs I have. So I don't know what they're referring to. I don't think that's a real reason. It's, yeah. It seems like they rarely did it. But here, here's a version if you listen to this clip, you'll hear the alternate lyric that Linnell <laughs> sings that I found quite intriguing. <laughs> I did as well. We have these rest songs in between the jumpy, crazy ones. And this is um, also from our upcoming record. You're getting the idea now that we're doing a lot of songs from the record that we're making so that you'll buy it later when it comes out. This song is called... I've got to match your embrace and my collapse. Embrace and my collapse. Beat up the can if you need someone else on the map. I take a ride, put it in your grandpa's mud. Come on, that's vastly superior to what they went with. I kind of like it. It's weird. Doesn't it's great. it doesn't quite flow off the <laughs> you're out of your mouth? Well, let, let's clarify for people who maybe didn't hear it. He says, I, "I take a rock and put it in your Grampy's mug, <laughs> rather than I put a rock in the coffee in your coffee mug," which is a great lyric. Uh, you know, to r reflect on that again. You think it needed more syllables? <laughs> yeah, it needs more syllables. Put it in your Grampy's mug. Elderly abuse, Dave. This is what he was advocating. <laughs> 
I think it should have been called Grampy's Mug. <laughs> Come on, man. We say that as, as a joke, that it's not far off that, uh, <laughs> yeah, Grampy's Mug. So interesting. I've never even heard the word Grampy, really. I mean, it seems like, because he could have said Grandpa's Mug. Yeah. Like, it's the same syllable, right? Put it in your Grandpa, Grandma's Mug. Yeah. Auntie's Mug. <laughs> could have been Auntie. So what an interesting uh what an interesting alternate lyric. Um, I wonder what our, our listeners think of that. Do you think that was a real contender for staying as the lyric, or do you think he just did it right then and there in the moment? Yeah, I, I have other I've Got a Matches from this time. That's the only time where he says, put it in your Grampy's mug. What's curious is that's a later performance. Mm -hmm. So in the other earlier performances, he says coffee mug like normally. Hmm. And then in a later one, you think he, he might have just improvised that on stage yeah. at one point. Uh, maybe he was trying to make Flansburg laugh. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. We're probably overanalyzing it. Yes. Um, the next set of alternate lyrics is something I found very interesting, and it's from Purple Toupee from the mid-'80s. And those are quite different. They're very different, and let's, let's check that out. This is the song where we do stage diving, so I hope you're all ready for this part. This is uh, from our upcoming record, which uh, we're still working on right now. So we don't know how exactly how it's gonna come out, but this song is on it. And the song is called Purple Toupee, and it goes like this. I remember the year I went to camp. Meanwhile, on the West Coast, with trouble for the blacks. Somebody put their fingers in the crack. For the blacks. So let's talk, so there's a few different lyrics in this version. Um, let's talk about that. Instead of, I heard about a lady named Selma and some blacks. That's uh, <laughs> sort of weird to say. It is a bit. Yeah. You know, um, not comfortable. <laughs> meanwhile, on the West Coast, there is trouble for some blacks. I actually looked into what that could be referring to. And I'm not going to get too deep into this because it's the last thing we all need right now. But uh, there's something called the Watts Riots in uh, 1965, August 11th ah. to 16th, and it's in L.A. So yeah, it's it was a riots that broke out because of uh, you know a an African American motorist uh, being pulled over, and you can guess what happened. Hmm. But uh, so I think Linnell might be referring to that. Uh, meanwhile, on the West Coast, there was trouble. Right. Um, he changed it to the Selma thing, which I think is has a little bit more of a clever touch to it because he's, you know, making the name of a place to right. be a woman. Yeah. Uh, so I thought and that more, was... more, you know, universally known. and Yeah, that's true. Though that's not usually a concern of <laughs> They Might Be Giants. <laughs> um, so let's keep listening to the song and hear another alternate lyric that I, I found a lot of... Dazzling? Deep meaning in. Dazzling. Bill, we're fine in the park. We tried to help him find no one appreciated that. Martin next to man, my monitor's too loud. Ten years later, they were sharing the same cell. I asked the fans why I remember it was bad. People stepped on my hair and they told me I was fat. Okay, so two things there. One is that he improvised my monitor's too loud to let uh, yeah. Bill Krause, uh, I think, I no, don't think you should have said monitor. that in the song. No. That's but, my personal belief. But uh you gotta say that off mic. <laughs> then he said, I asked the Fonz why my memory was bad. 
I think this is a brilliant lyric, and I'll tell you why. Please do. Who was the Fonz? He was uh, a character on a sitcom called Happy Days. Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. Tuesday, Wednesday, Happy Days. Thursday, Friday, Happy Days. The weekend comes, my cycle hums, ready to race to you. These days are all happy Now, Happy Days was a, like, idealized memory mm-hmm. of the 50s made by a sitcom in the 70s and 80s. So it's like a reflection of what Purple Toupee is, which is yeah. that someone hazily remembering mm-hmm. something from a few decades earlier and getting it wrong. So him him using the Fonz as a reference point in the song is like really interesting in that sense. And even the, the show called Happy Days. It's sure. like, oh, remember when everything was happy? <laughs> it's like... Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean, Dave? Yeah, I think that's an apt point. Thank you. I, I think it's you're a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you ever watch Happy Days? Are you familiar with the show? I did. I watched Happy Days a lot. Really? I yeah, don't, I never did ever. Truly Happy Days. Shaped me. Made that's me who weird. I am. So you have Happy Days thinking of happy watching Happy Days as a kid. I mean, I'm sure it was just on TV. And then I kind of watched anything. So it's like this like endless funnels into funnels of like thing referencing the happy memories and then people get memories and then in 10 years i'll have a happy memory of talking about this with you will you (laughs) when our podcast is dead and gone Um, or we are i'll be like remember when me and dave talked about happy days and it was this like great memory and dave talked about remembering happy days which was a sitcom that remembered happy days from the 50s keep going (laughs) <laughs> it, they'll, it'll keep adding to it because then our listeners will remember us talking about this and, and then our children and our children's children I should say though the only episode that I liked was the um, jumping the shark episode <laughs> I just watched that you one you really only. go against the grain that's when the show got good <laughs> yeah that's the only one I liked yeah I was gonna ask are these I didn't pay attention to the dates are these before or after album versions that's a, f- a great question Dave the um, purple toupee one is from March 88 so Lincoln came out in September 88. So what you hear in this clip is they really had the backing track down, mm-hmm. but Linnell, I think, was retooling the lyrics up until like, you know, pretty right. close to recording, I think. So that that is... Not uncommon. It is quite interesting. Sa- similar with I've Got a Match. That one's like a, y- a year or so before Lincoln. So those are the alternate lyrics. I think there's a few things here and there that are different. Um, he definitely does a few different things in like the puppet head bridge. In fact, I'll, I'll, play, a, I'll play one of my favorite clips of that. Another 80s live tradition that I've been wanting to talk about, and this goes well beyond the 80s, Dave, is the stick. Oh, yes. Let's get down and dirty. Guys, let's talk about the stick. The cry goes up. I think we have a feeling there's going to be trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, the stick! Benevolent, but clinically insane. Omnipresent, yet alcoholic. So, Dave, how about you? You know, I've been blabbing my stupid head off. Why don't you talk about the stick? The stick was a giant stick with a microphone on the end of it. Every 
every Dave sentence is worth a thousand Jordan <laughs> Jordan words. Oh, go on. They put a microphone on a giant it makes stick. A huge sound. And yeah, ear they, bursting. They did some sort of a what would be the technical term? It's reverb. I thought it's ear bursting. <laughs> it has what's called a gated reverb where it kind of comes in very suddenly and kind of ends suddenly like a drum hit. Oh, I see. Okay. So I I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing on the stick mic, maybe with some other um mysterious effects that we don't even know about. Witchcraft. It kind of is like a witchcraftian thing like banging a stick in the ground, right? Yeah, right. Order. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the stick was used uh, exclusively on Lie Still Little Bottle. It still was for a while. I don't know if there's some lyrical thematic reason why it was used on Lie Still Little Bottle, except the 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 acoustic feel of that. Like the, it's mm -hmm. on the album, it's the only one with real drums, you know? So it's they didn't use a drum track right. for it live. They could have. Um, so I think it's more just like, this is a song where it'll be like acoustic, you know, and I, I use that word in a way that encompasses all instruments, including sticks. So let's listen to some clips of the stick in action and... Uh, let's get sticky. And <laughs> getting sticky with it. So um, this, uh, this song... Yeah, that's right, that's happening. Yeah. This song is called Lie Still Little Bottle and is not featured on any record that we're selling in the back of the room along with the t-shirts. So, this is how it goes. This song is called Lie Still Little Bottle, and it goes like this. So one interesting thing about the stick that they definitely stopped doing uh, after the 80s was that they used to invite audience members on stage oh, to God. bang the stick in the That's song. That's an invitation for disaster. Okay. We know from the one story we've read about this town that this is a highly musical town. So we're a little scared, but we'd like to ask one citizen of Bremen, not an American exchange student, but an actual citizen of this town to join us on stage, but they have to have a good sense of rhythm. Okay, we have a volunteer, ladies and gentlemen. Are you sure you're not an American exchange student? Because the way you said me was kind of an Americanism. No, oh, you're German. Good, good. Come forward. Citizen. Because we're on, a, we're on a mission to spread love and joy throughout the universe and, uh, and meet more German stick players. Okay, what's your name? The way the song works is uh, you, the audience, start the rhythm. Then uh, Mr. Collins will step in and join you. And then uh, Mr. John Linnell will play the opposite rhythm. So it's like... It's kind of a jazz thing. Don't let it confuse you. And, um, and then I'll start singing. And then um, uh, somebody will light the stage on fire and we'll all have to leave. So um, this is how it goes. And this could have been in our technical difficulty section because in almost every version I heard, they break it. They they don't break the stick, but the person can't keep time and they oh, end sure. up throwing the person off stage. So yeah. <laughs> let's listen to that. It happened in Berlin here with uh, Pete. Something weird is that three of the shows, it's someone named Pete and they're in different uh, countries. There's no such thing as coincidence. So uh, what I was saying. wondering is if it was like some weird bit where it's always the same guy <laughs> named Pete, but it doesn't seem like it if you listen. So let's listen to Pete uh, fuck up the stick. Pete fucking up. 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 Pete f
have a little fan contest on. In their defense, like if you were up there and nervous, you might lose time. Yeah. Too. It's probably pretty intimidating. Yeah, <laughs> you take it back, right, Dave? <laughs> well, we're wondering if there's if there's somebody else in the audience who'd like to give this a go. Perhaps, perhaps. Why don't I do it? I never do it anymore. So, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Yeah, this is we're we're going back in time to a simpler, simpler time for the band when I used to play this thing. I hope this doesn't distract you. The original stick my fear. Few praise him, all fear him. The stick. You praise him, he plays him. The stick. And Mr. John Flanders. So anyway, he <laughs> the guy just keeps slowing down, he's Eesh. missing the beat. This happens a few times in different shows. They they kick the guy off stage. Um, one thing we should definitely listen to is that insane UK show this happens and wow is the audience not happy <laughs> so let's check that out a little bit do you think they've been drinking a little bit this is Gavin I met him in the bar <laughs> Gavin is gonna um, no no we did that song already and you didn't even notice you really hurt our feelings by requesting that song. <laughs> I just want you to... No, you can all stop shouting amongst yourselves now for just a brief minute. As I explain this next song to Mr. Gavin, the trick to playing this song is you don't listen to what Mr. Linnell is playing. We tried this here once in England before, and it was a tragic mistake. But, but in, the, in the name of... Um, I'm trying to see if it works again. We're going to try to see if it works again. Hold on a second. <laughs> You want to help out with a little finger clap or hand clap? Yeah, Gavin, where are you slung? Does anybody have something they want to say? <laughs> Terrifying. For my next song. Ow. Ow. And again, Gavin, it's, it's not a personal thing. It wasn't. It's, no, I, I understand. 
Kevin is, is not a percussionist professionally. <laughs> I didn't understand the first thing he said, and I didn't understand the second thing he said. So I guess I'll just have to go back to Brooklyn. Wow. I think what we're hearing there is the people going to the microphone and talking, the people from the audience. <laughs> and then someone says, ow, as if they got like dragged away from it. Um, what a free-for-all. Another interesting thing that they did at a few 80s shows, I don't know how many, but I, I've got like two of them, is uh, they used to open for themselves mm -hmm. as an acoustic duo called Count Drinks-A-Lot. Count Drink-A-Lot. The only so this is something they kind of do in other ways now like they've had they used to be a fake tribute band called Sapphire Bullets where mm -hmm. they would do Flood in order before right. the show in that, you know, in that context. But yeah, there's a few shows where they opened as Count Drinks a lot and there's a couple little interesting moments from that. Um, one is, so they would do these kind of interesting songs acoustically. Uh, they did one version of They'll Need a Crane with mm -hmm. just like a very, very minimal drum track, just like tambourine or something. And we can listen to that a little bit. Electro funk kind of a feel. So uh, get prepare yourself to um, shake your body all the way down to the ground on this all next song. This song uh, features features a drum program that we put together ourselves. And, uh, we're going to see how it works out just this one Going time. rogue. Uh, a couple of wild mavericks. This song is called They'll Need a Crane. So yeah, I thought this was like a cool version of They'll Need a Crane. Oh, there is one rare moment where they do When It Rains, It Snows, which is a pretty rare song for set lists in those times and forever, really. So we can listen to that. I thought that was awesome that they did that song. I also thought it was interesting that in the intro, you, you might have caught this, but it's Count Drinks A Lot from Queens, New York. <laughs> what do you think about that, Dave? Me and Dave are from Queens. I'm offended. Don't, don't mix up the boroughs, man. What do you think the reason is for Count Drinks A Lot to be from Queens? Maybe they were of lesser stock. I don't know. <laughs> 
we're we're winding down here. We're almost done. We sure are. <laughs> I want. Yeah, I know. We're in an unair conditioned room in the <laughs> dead of summer. Um, one thing I wanted to point out that I thought was just something to give you folks a smile on your face because life has been pretty hard for everybody. I think you meant because life's been so smiling. Let's add more smiles more to smiles. your life. Um, I've got three examples of John Linnell laughing during a song. And I... I Darling. D- look, all I can say is it kind of warms my heart. Uh, and no offense to Flansburg, but one of these is because Flansburg... <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a match here from the, an 80s show. Flansburg clearly uh, messes up the guitar and it makes Linnell laugh. And I thought that was kind of cute in a way. <laughs> Beat up the cat if you need someone else <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> I can't not laugh at that. It is funny. Um, here's one of Linnell laughing. Scheidenfreude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's Linnell laughing during Mr. Me, which is uh, such a sad song, uh, Dave. What do you think makes him laugh there? I, in my I have no my idea. theory is it's his own silly voice he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that moment. And then as for the third one, it's uh, she's an angel. Um, let's let's see what makes Linnell tickles Linnell's uh, Linnell laughter supercut. Funny bone here. Met someone at the dog show. She was holding my left arm. But everyone was acting normal, so I tried to look nonchalant. We both said I really love you. The Shriners loaned us cars. We raced up and down the sidewalk 20,000 million times. Why? Maybe someone made a face in the audience. Yeah, what was that about? It really cracked him up. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I thought those were like really nice moments. Um, I've never heard yeah. I never heard Flansburg uh, laugh during a hmm. song uh, unless it's one of his boisterous hotel detective <laughs> insane laughs. And Dave, we're re- we're really reaching the end of it. The, there's one more thing I wanted to. Well, do you have any <laughs> do you have any thoughts? <laughs> I think it's nice to hear a young boy's laughter. <laughs> That was the creepiest thing you possibly could have said. Um, You asked for it. As a special treat to everyone, this is something that nobody has heard before. This is a rare, extremely rare, I don't even know what word to use because rare implies that maybe it's happened more than once, but this has only happened one time Mm. and it's a live, it might be the debut and the final performance of, I don't know. Of We Just Go Nuts at Christmas Time, oh, wow. which they performed on uh, from the same show, the New Year's one we just listened to, December listened to 31st, 1987. So everyone enjoy We Just Go Nuts at Christmas Time, single, sing, singular, single live performance that, uh, that I know of that exists. Here, Here you go. Here we go. Uh, 
Up the driveway, down the walk Oh, Jenny's hair is like a mom's Who's got her own but acts like Something's different from the eyebrows up Seems like only yesterday R-D-I-B-O-R-C-E I love you both And your tatties Pure H-E-W-L for me And we just go nuts At Christmas time That's when everything falls apart We just go nuts At Christmas time but it's another year before we're together again. You know, John and I were driving up the Northern California Highway, and we were thinking to ourselves, We just go nuts at Christmas time. That's when everything falls apart. Just go nuts at Christmas time, but it's another year before we're together again. Again. And keeping with the Christmas theme, this next song, this next song is called "I Was a Snowball in Hell." So that was some of my. Maybe not yours, but my favorite moments from their 80s live shows. You know uh, what? They're, they're, now they are my favorites, too. Yeah, I convinced Dave. He came in here very skeptical. I was. He had his arms folded. I, I was just uh, a real nuisance. Yeah. Um, hopefully more 80s bootlegs will be discovered, actually. And maybe I can add more in, in future episodes. We can add more to this. Hey, all right. Yeah. Hey, Sounds good. Not too bad, cat. Not too shabby for what it is <laughs> for, for a free show um look forward to that so here's something we haven't done in a while we can catch up on what it's time for letterbox whoa i'll never know what you find when you open up your letterbox this letter comes to us from glenn uh, glenn glenn wrote a, a quite a long uh email so we're gonna take a snippet of that that we thought was interesting to, <laughs> not to imply the rest wasn't interesting to Glenn. delve into glenn says i also wanted to mention something that i thought might have been a missed connection during the lincoln episode how dare you glenn <laughs> i didn't miss anything i never miss anything i guess 14 hours on anna ing isn't enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh if the protagonist in anna ing is imagining themselves a mysterious soulmate from the other end of the world and obsessively wondering if they are missing their chance to connect with this person like ships endlessly passing in the night it's beautiful i got goosebumps couldn't this also connect to the verse in Shoehorn with Teeth? He asks a girl if they can both sit in a chair. He doesn't get nervous. She's not really there. Perhaps this girl is Anna. Whoa. And this is the same protagonist sort of living in their own head and inventing misconnections with a soulmate who may or may not actually exist. That's very interesting. Um, Jordan, eat that. While, while I'm not uh, one to discourage this sort of uh, fan interpreting thing, I don't... You know, I might contradict myself here. I don't think They Might Be Giants are literally uh, consciously connecting songs together. But it is true that we've talked about in the past, there's like Big Big Hordom and then the Big big Hordom in Nightgown of the Sullen Moon. And we've yeah. definitely caught um, references to the same things in multiple songs. There have been conscious and unconscious connections mm -hmm. and themes that run throughout. 
Yeah, and the fact that Anna Ng and Shoehorn are on the same album and they almost bookend each other, really. They almost, you know, it's almost one of the later songs on Lincoln. Right. It does have a, a symmetry that I like. And I, again, you could say this to John and John, which I'm sure we will if we ever interview them. And they might just be like, huh, what? <laughs> <laughs> but I also think, you know, me and Dave talk a lot about there's unintentional art. Uh, that mm-hmm. happens there's unintentional things you know it's definitely happened to us yeah. we've i've definitely um especially i noticed in film school because films are a very um uncontrollable thing when you're making one because mm-hmm. you can't you can't control what people are doing in front of the camera you can't control the weather you can't control all this stuff but i would see all these things that connect to other things in my in the short films well, there's I made. no such thing as coincidence we yeah. are all one. So I, I do I do like that thought that, that Shoehorn captures in a sense the feeling of of displacement from the one you, you might love one day. So uh, very good email, Glenn. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, thank you for being our inaugural I, I sort of do see this as season two in a weird way, maybe because of the long break. Right. Uh season don't two let's of start. Planet Earth. <laughs> also. <laughs> That's when the, it got really bad. It's always the worst one. <laughs> it's when the showrunner left. <laughs> Season three will be better. It's when it, that's when a horrible new showrunner took over <laughs> that everyone hates. Season two is the docs. <laughs> I, I rewatched I rewatched okay. that season and it's actually really good on rewatch. Um, all right, next email. So this next email in the letterbox, or should I say, letter, is from Aaron, and he says, "Ahoy." Loved the fl- first Flood episode. Dave, we're not only going to read questions, we're going to read compliments because I think that, that helps me feel good. So they, they loved the Flood episode. And, and Aaron said, I thought I should mention the Flood logo is a reference to this logo below. And he, he sent a, uh, a picture that looks exactly like the Flood logo, but it has different, uh, it has letters in the, uh, what are yeah. those, spokes? <laughs> and then I asked him to explain because <laughs> I didn't... <laughs> Sorry, Dave. <laughs> I'm, cl- I'm closer I'm right to the here. mic than normal, I think. And he said, it's the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. I yeah. see it at the very end credits of movies randomly. And I do too. Well, you should have yeah. fucking said I something. I know. I dropped the ball. It's a union for behind the scenes workers. So maybe it's a reference like they are the workers behind the scenes making you music, quote, installing and servicing melody. Uh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I think Aaron, Aaron's on the ball. Um, it's funny. I mean, most people would not expect a, a They Might Be Giants pod- podcast to spend like 45 minutes on the art for Flood like we did. But we did, and we still missed a crucial <laughs> thing, and that, um, that that bothers me. But it's also great to, <laughs> to set the record straight here. Um, alliance of Theatrical, International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. And I don't think there's any mistaking that that's where the logo comes from. No, it looks th- exactly like this. It. This to me is what they call a home run in, in the <laughs> baseball uh, game. Yeah, that people like and to that's play. That's what they call that. <laughs> yeah. So, so next, Dave. What's next? All right. So the next letter in the letter box is from Eric. And uh, don't er- sound so excited, Dave. I wasn't. <laughs> and uh, Eric had a really good email that was a little bit long, but worth. <laughs> reading in its entirety. Yeah, yeah so we're going to read the whole thing. Uh, so, hi, Jordan and Dave. I've been thoroughly enjoying the show. Thanks so much for all the deep dives into the minutiae of TMBG lyrics and history. You're welcome. I was listening to the first Flood episode this morning, and I had a thought about the lyrics in the first verse. For the ca- Birdhouse. Um, yes. 
The canary is known as a songbird, but this particular canary can't sing. He's a nightlight. So the light is Wait. his song. Wait, I'll interrupt you. That's like so sad. He's like, <laughs> he's shaped like something that can sing, but he's can't actually sing. That's like, that's like well, a so am I. torturous predicament. That makes the song really sad. Um, so when he so, says, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> when he says the room must listen to me filibuster vigilantly, I think he's referring to the fact that the room is going to be filled with his song, uh, comma, the light. The filibustering is less about the political act of holding up proceedings, but more how he's going to keep singing his song on and on. I think this also fits with the line one note spelled L-I-T-E as his song is made of light. Yeah, you know so that... let's stop there and then go ahead. Yeah, that line did kind of confuse us. We, we I think I remember in the show we were like, this is a weird lyric, one note spelled L-I-T-E. I don't remember anything we said about Birdhouse, so... <laughs> uh, well, because we, we pretty much, you know, not to... <laughs> We pretty much nailed every lyric of that song, but uh -huh. but this was one I remember. And I've always well, I've always been kind of like, why is it one note spelled L I T E? And the idea that that um, Aaron Glenn Eric, <laughs> the idea that Eric is is putting across that this is a songbird who is who would normally communicate through singing, and that's why I would say one note spelled L I T E is that he's not just singing. Oh, this is so great. He's not just singing because we're listening to an album by a rock band. Mm -hmm. He's singing because that's all he can do. And and I think that's like an interesting meta meta thing in, in the song. I mean, almost like the Anna Ng, you know, painted on a bridge. Mm -hmm. They might be giants like to kind of literalize the song, uh, all, not just the, the lyrics, but the, like literalize like what you're even, kind of like in a musical where it's like, you you wonder like, are the characters singing? Really? Like, mm -hmm. is that like literally happening? I mean, this Breaking is like the fourth wall. Yeah, eg yes. exactly. So that's one very lucid point. Uh, here's here's another. God damn it. Um, also, I'm wondering if the Longines Symphonette is referring more to the brand of radio television from the in parentheses. I want to say 1970s. So maybe it doesn't rest because the radio or TV is always on, just like the Canary Nightlight. And he closes out by saying, "Damn, they're good lyricists." They are good lyricists. Um, so, yeah, John, can you expound upon that? <laughs> I don't know about his idea that uh, radio and TV is always on because you can turn them off. But um, that's true. But the idea that yeah, the Longines Symphonet. I mean, I, I remember when I was researching for that episode, it, it really opened up kind of too many options for what that could refer to. So it might be this. He, he, uh, Eric actually sent photos of this brand of so radio, it's a radio brand and TVs. Yeah, it says it right on there. So he, he might be onto something. Maybe it doesn't rest because it's an appliance. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, um, but don't you ever think that when you turn off the TV, the shows are still going on, man. That's just true. Not watching them. I guess the, the waves in the air yeah, don't man. stop. And the people like, you know, inside the TV. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's how TV's made. When I was a kid, I thought that's how it was made. That's pretty dumb. Okay. So thank you, Eric. Excellent job. Wait, he ends it by saying, keep up the great work, guys. Sorry. <laughs> this next letter is from our good friend Daniel, who we talk about a lot, who's a listener of the show. He, he We played his cover of uh, Rabbit Child he did. That was really awesome. You guys remember that? We got to get him on the show. Daniel says... This is about Dead. Yeah, the this, song this, Dead this from about the album dead. Flood. He says... From the band They Might Be Giants. Daniel says... This is Daniel's email. Man o' Nam, the discussion about the Bowery show with us all singing Dead, and then the clip of it at the end of the show had my head covered in goosebumps all the way home. His head. <laughs> so Daniel's responding to me and Dave's confusion about the why would you uh, remove uh, groceries that 
uh, are before the expiration date as opposed to when they expire, mm-hmm. uh, which we actually got a few emails about. <laughs> um, Daniel says, so groceries have an expiration date after which they must be removed from the grocery store shelves. If they're removed before the expiration date, that means they've met an untimely end and weren't able to fulfill their potential in parentheses of being sold to customers. So the first two lines are saying essentially the same thing. But in the second line, the narrator is himself the bag of groceries. He's stuck in a repeating karmic, possibly, cycle of unfulfilled potential mirrored by the cyclical direction of the music and the verse. Down, 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 up, up, down, 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 up, up. And in the round of sorts in the chorus with... Uh, That's the Konami with, code, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, the round of sorts in the chorus. The round, uh, for listeners out there, being uh, Linnell's vo- backing vocals. You mm-hmm. know, That's what that... This Birdhouse in Your Soul does a similar uh, thing. Um, we're all doomed to die, quote, too early without accomplishing anything we wanted to do due to or along with being miserable and unmotivated while alive. So, Daniel... Well, that's one way of looking at it. That is quite a powerful and, and interesting perspective on dead. He, he's, he's probably onto something about the grocery store analogy or the grocery... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how to really follow that. You, you could be <laughs> taken off the shelf for good reasons, though, right? You could be taken off to be enjoyed. If you have a, a racist mascot. <laughs> that's, that's a great reason. No, I'm saying if, if you, maybe you were taken off the shelf by a customer who enjoyed eating you. Yeah, I was a bad, you know, this, this song, <laughs> I, as much as it seems like we're, we'll figure it out, I feel like it'll kind of never be figured out, which is what I love about They Might Be Giants. Uh, thank you, Daniel, for this and, and other emails thank we've you, gotten Daniel. from you. And let's hang out soon. See you soon, buddy. And uh, good luck with uh, that that horrible thing you're going through. <laughs> <laughs> Cryptic. Yeah. Um, Dave, what, what next? What, there's so many letters. They're falling on my head. G- grab one and, and sh- tell me what it says. <laughs> All right. So the last letterbox letter for now final letterbox letter for now this is from ryan and he says this morning i purchased my very first tmbg ticket (laughs) and i cannot wait for march that's a bittersweet thing to read oh yeah in honor of this my question is do you two have any memorable tmbg or non-tmbg if you'd like concert experiences cool performances strange fan interactions etc uh dave why don't you go first while i percolate Perk, well, I'm, perk, perk. I, I, I'm gonna do that while you talk if you don't mind. Perk, perk. <laughs> I, I actually was really interested to know what Dave was going to say. So one day I will let him <laughs> tell me. That's fine. Um, I mean, I already talked about this on, I guess, the first episode we ever did. Whoa! Remember that? Were we ever so young? Uh, but really, my first They Might Be Giants concert was probably the most memorable. Tramps '98. Yeah. Um, just for that transformative, you know, experience of seeing them live and uh, being overcome with the live experience and performance. And yes, the, the beefed up sound. I, I remember right. that that contrast of what you were used to from the band, and then being from the realms. Yeah, yeah, and then just being like completely engulfed in this huge sound was, was yeah, crazy, yeah. and it was a pretty rowdy show. And that was back in the day where we were probably you know in the front. Yes, and, we would get, know, show up in, hours early. In the sweaty bodies. Yeah, and that was the other thing, too. It was like literally two or three hours maybe before the show started, waiting out in the freezing cold. Yes. Um, so, and it was, you know, New Year's, and there was more things that happened after the show. So it was just kind of this whole night, because we did that go to a, a party. 
afterwards. I don't remember that. Did something happen? It must have been a good party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so just like that transformation um, was very memorable to me. I mean, I've seen them, you know, obviously numerous times since, you know, and I'm sure there's little specific things that happen at each show. Um, you mm. know, the first time I brought my wife to see them was very memorable. And, um, and then the, the first time you brought your other wife. My to other see wife. My second <laughs> When they wife. met at the third show um, you brought. Them to you. you know, a lot of opening bands too. Like I, I remember it being very special yeah. when Mucka Ferguson yeah. opened for them for a while um, and their show being so... Uh, Almost, you know, giving They Might Be Giants a run for their money. Yes. Because they're very interactive. They're v very good stage presence. Yeah. Um, they Might Be Giants or opening bands. <laughs> yeah, Cornmo is a good one. Also really giving it his all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the opening bands of They Might Be Giants is something that I, I can't decide if I want to, like, devote a whole episode to talking about because we have so many stories and, and things to say about so well, many of them. I became fans of a lot of those bands. Or, or if we should just bring them up as they come up. If you want to talk about opening bands, the show that you're talking about, you're very very first show at Tramps uh, in New Year's 98. The opener was Carmeg DeForest. And this was, was very memorable too. Yeah. And yeah. this is someone I became a huge fan of. Yeah. Uh, me and Daniel, who was at the show with us, both became a huge fan right. pretty pretty instantly. So basically, Carmeg is a guy um, who he's just by himself. He's got a ukulele. Uh, sometimes I think he plays guitar. He's got a little uh, like a hotel concierge bell. He's on, got bells. He's got a bell yeah. on the ground that he... That he hits I still with, remember. Yeah, he hits with his foot. Um, some of his songs are a little like folky political, but a lot of them, and the ones I prefer, as you know me, I, I like more abstract stuff. They're kind of, um, they're like dark stories. I had the flu real bad last winter, had a dream about a father and his son. Henry, who was 42, and Jason, who had just turned 21. Henry thought, my God, my son's exactly half my age. And the more he thought about it, the more he flew into a rage. He's the same age I was when I had him. Now my secrets are no longer safe. But I'll change. I'll change. I'll change. I'll change. I'll change so much, you won't even recognize me. Jason was just yeah, they're kind of like Lynchian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carmack DeForest is great. He's got great albums. If you want to support uh, so a very independent artist, who's he's kind of got a Lou Reed, Violent Femmes feel, and Gordon Gano from Violent Femmes, who mm. me and Dave uh, both love. He's love. on his first album. He like plays guitar on, nice. on his first album. As for my answer, so... Yeah, what's it, yours, Jordan? You've terms, seen them so many times. Well, he said any memorable TMG or non-TMG. I'll, I'll say this. I have countless They Might Be Giants memories. I'll mostly talk about them on the show as they come up in context. He mentioned fan interactions in this email. Um, I can say my first few They Might Be Giants shows was really like a... So to put this in context, I, I don't. I, I'm in junior high uh, I don't have any friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, in high school, I, I don't really. I didn't really have friends either. I mostly am very quiet all day in high school. I'm very introvert. There's a lot of people in my in my school who are very extrovert. Kind of, I wouldn't say bullies, but they're just kind of like you know, like jocks and stuff like that. And and suddenly, I, I go to they might be giant shows for the first time. I very distinctly remember this being outside like uh, Irving Plaza and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was, I remember doing a, 
Linnell, they'll need a crane video impression for a bunch of people online. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm kind of flopping my hair around and doing his like dance stuff. And people were like laughing and we were all singing the song. And it was, it was really like another world. It you was, were celebrated. It was kind of, well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even go that far, but it was more just like, I can't believe I'm doing, I'm acting like this in front of people. Hmm. And that was like a strange uh, feeling for me. And, and there was this, this time where I felt very excited to not just to see they might be giants when there was concert coming up, but to like, you know, hang out with people for the <laughs> only time in the, you know, several months, like, Oh, I'm going to hang out with a group of people. Hmm. This is before I met like Dave and Daniel and people who became my actual friends. But there was like a period where I really like didn't have a social life. I wanted to mention a non-TMBG concert experience, and this can kind of segue into unrelated thing, if you'd like. I was thinking of an unrelated thing. When, when someone asked me a memorable concert experience, kind of what goes to my mind is like, when have I like cried at a concert, like, or felt like insane emotion? <laughs> um, I just wanted to, to plug uh, someone who I, I really admire. Her name is Cynthia Hopkins. She's a, a musician, songwriter, composer. Uh, she's a writer. She does all this stuff. I think she, she records audiobooks too. She's like a, she has a great voice. Um, Cynthia Hopkins is. I saw her open for David Byrne first. That's how I first saw her. Uh, David Byrne was a whole other memorable concert experience, actually. But um, she opened for David Byrne, and she she played a saw. Uh, she played like a, a saw like that you would chop down a tree with. A singing saw. A singing saw. So that was like, whoa, she's interesting. She also played accordion. So to a nerd like myself, I was like, whoa, she's beautiful. <laughs> um, Makes sense. But it wasn't just that. It was that before each song, she told like a several minute long story that put the song in context. Um, those of you who know me uh, may not realize that I've been operating under a pseudonym for quite some time now. Um, my real name is actually Queenie. Um, uh, that's the name that was given to me by my adoptive father, who was a little man from the circus who um, purchased me from my real parents when I was five. Um, he was a good guy, but he was, he was sometimes a little overzealous in his job. Um, there was a girl who worked with me in the circus named Rosie, who was blessed with a rare gift. She could levitate at will, and she tried to keep it a secret growing up, but her parents discovered it, and, and much like myself, she was also sold into the circus um, at a young age, but she hated the circus life, and she hated being branded as a freak, and so um, she decided to to run away, and uh, when Little Man found out, he was enraged, and um, this next song is what he sang as he chased her down a, a dark country road in Georgia uh, on horseback. And um, she was able to outrun him because she was driving a car. But uh, if you hear any, um, you know, gunshots or horses during the song, that's just, that's the little man chasing her on his horse and shooting at her. This is called The Little Man's Mournful Cry. Did you know? 
And then the song's amazing because you, you've been put into this movie. Sounds very similar to uh, Rasputina. These like crazy it is. stories. Yes, yes. And I did get it. And it I, makes you feel crazy actually, when you hear them. <laughs> seeing Rasputina with Dave's wife was a memorable experience because the woman from Rasputina was yelling at her bandmates publicly in front oh, of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and that made me extremely uncomfortable. Um, she does that a lot. She chastised her like celloist for getting a note wrong or something. <laughs> it was just like I do in my the band. most awkward I've <laughs> ever felt in my life. Oh my God, wait, I thought of another great me and Daniel. Me and Daniel saw Weird Al mm -hmm. like a long time ago when we were like 14 or something, maybe 16. Uh, we saw Weird Al and this uh, magician comedian opened for Weird Al and the audience- Wait, wait. magician and comedian? <laughs> he was like juggling and yeah. telling jokes and the audience was booing him. The Weird Al audience. Where does a Weird Al audience get off booing anyone? <laughs> <laughs> the audience was booing him and the guy snapped and he started <laughs> screaming at all these people oh, being man. like, oh God, I don't know what he said, but it was just one of those things like, you want to come up here? What, <laughs> you know, it was like, and me and Daniel were just like so tense and it was the most- That sounds amazing. That, that is the most uncomfortable I've ever been. So really quick back to what Cynthia Hopkins does. So she, while she did do standard concerts, uh, her main thing that she worked the hardest on is, is the series of musicals that she did where it's just, it's hard to describe, but they're, they have um, multimedia, there's video projection, there's all this stuff happening where she's interacting with things in the video. There are these stories and she did this trilogy called Accidental Nostalgia that was three separate shows, but it was all like kind of one theme, which was about blacking out and not knowing your past and trying to become a new person. say this there was one moment in the middle show the middle of the trilogy they came out like every two years or something there was one moment so she she put out a, she put out a show that was about her quitting the music business mm -hmm. which i think she's mostly done um because she wasn't making money and yeah. it was um as you would imagine dave this was very relatable for me mm -hmm. and it was a really sad show they also had a lot of humor too but it was like a meta show where she played a character who had disappeared from the music business in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And she also played the daughter making a documentary searching for her long lost mother. Mm -hmm. So she played both characters and one was on video, you know, and one was in person. One of the final songs in this show was called Bird Song for the Birds. And the, the concept behind it was, well, if no one's gonna listen to me sing, at least the birds will hear me. And mm -hmm. I'm just basically only singing for the birds. And she sang this song live and I was like crying like crazy uh -huh. in the in the seats there because it really resonated with me. And, and it probably also helped that I had a bird uh, or I still do really, she lives with my parents still, but I like also thought of my own bird. Yeah. And it was like kind of this weird mess of, of sad emotion. So as a unrelated thing slash letterbox segment here here's a clip of that great song and and check out cynthia hopkins she's got a lot of stuff there's stuff on youtube and all that
Uh, thanks to everyone that sent an email to us. If you want to send I believe more, they're called letters, Dave. If you want to send more letters to the letterbox, you can email us at uh, don't let's start podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at don't let's pod. Thank you. Thank you. Keep sending those letters. And we're going to get to many more of them very soon. That's right. We got some new ones this week that I thought were excellent. So we're going to keep going forever. And we will be back soon. I'm going to try to make this semi-regular thing. Um, the quarantine is not the only reason we haven't done it as much. There's been other reasons between me and Dave. That we, we hate each other. For me, yeah. For me, it's, it's really... It's I've really, just been refusing to do it. It's really the tension, you know, between us. Um, I don't know if you want to reveal this, but when do you think we're going to get to Apollo 18? I think I'd I'm like, excited about Apollo yes. 18. My plan is to maybe do one more non-Apollo 18 one after this for fun. Okay, for funsies. And like kind of like how this one was, like a just a random TMBG topic. And then I think we'll do Apollo 18. So I would expect Sounds good. Apollo Sounds 18 good. to be in maybe two, uh, two the one after the next one. So not next one, no, but the one after. I've been gathering stuff about for a year now, kind of. Sure kind of an on the side but i haven't done the full deep dive you know? i've been thinking about it so dave i think it's time we said goodbye hope everyone out there is as safe and doing all right yes, please be safe be well so bye bye everybody and dave why are you looking at me like that what's your problem i don't mean to be the negative one